over there is just another level. You don't know what they're talking about. Everything's just so alien to you. Some of the horror stories I've heard of like electrocuting the testicles, stretching them on machine, just to give a confession, whether you're guilty or not. Like everyone wants to know, how did you end up in a prison in India for 10 years? My name is Ibi Aslam and you're listening to Ibi Aslam Uncensored. Welcome to my podcast where we discuss property, business, lifestyle and well-being. If this is the first time you are visiting us, then please hit the follow button on your app. Don't forget, we are also on YouTube. You can watch these interviews in full there too and join the discussions in the comments. Just search Ibi Aslam Uncensored. There's new episodes every week, so I'll see you there. Barry, yeah? Baz, Baz. Everyone calls me Baz, yeah. So where are you from in Manchester? I'm from Salford. Oh, Salford? Yeah. It's not Manchester, is it? No. <laughs> Every time I say just... Everyone, yeah, yeah. They get offended. Yeah, they do, serious, mate. It's deep as well, isn't they it? They do, it is, it is. Salford is Salford, It's right? a very um, touchy subject. I don't know that. the history behind that, though. Yeah. Apparently, back in the day, yeah. Salford, Salford City was as big as Manchester. Yeah. Um, so they was they was fighting for that to be the capital city rather than Manchester back in the day. Right. But then Greater Manchester sort of spread out and got these other areas like Berry and yeah, but Greater yeah. Manchester is the bigger area sort of thing. And that's is that where it comes what from? I, that's what I know, mate. I don't know sort of for certain, but yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Baz. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. I'm usually prepared for an interview, so but this one. We're just going to go off the cuff because Baz has ba- basically done 10 years in an Indian prison. Is it in Mumbai? Uh, it was a few different prisons. few different prisons. It, yeah. So as you can tell, it's going to be a super, super exciting story. He's also got a book called No Tension, which you must go and get and read. Um, yeah, so listen, Baz, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome, uh, Introduce yourself to my audience just for those that don't know who you are, and just a little background of where yeah. you're from. And okay, you. like I say, my name's, everyone calls me Baz. My name's yeah. Barry Hulse. Um, I'm 50 years old now, unfortunately, a few days back. That's young, that. Uh, yeah, a young 50. Um, yeah, like I said, I was born and bred in Salford all my life. Yeah. Um, in, in and out different jobs, basically, managerial work. Um, just worked myself through up. I had... Um, I had my son at 17. I was 17 when my son was born. Okay. I was a young dad, if you like. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it, really. So from Salford, born in... Can you see that properly on camera? He's having a bit of a twist, isn't it? But Where can we put this so it's visible on camera? You know what? Leave it with me, I'll hold Unless it like this. Out, yeah, it's just yeah, sort yeah. Of a... I'll hold it like this. <laughs> Support. Yeah. Okay, so you're born in Salford. Yeah. Born and raised in Salford. What was your upbringing like? Um, like I said, I was born in Odds, a place called Odsall. Um, yeah. Odsall's quite a notorious area back in the day. Mm. Read a lot of the old school sort of gangster boys and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I moved, like I said, I've always been in Salford. We sort of moved to another area um, called Clarendon, around this area, and up to a place called Seedley. Okay. On, uh, near the park. So I've always lived uh, in, in Salford. And around Salford, yeah. Yeah. So. Like your upbringing was fine. Were you, when as you was growing up, what was what was your childhood like? Were, did, were you involved in just a normal? Um, no, I was obviously. Were you a good kid? Well, not really. No, I mean, obviously, 
back in the day when you're 16, 17, 18, you yeah. think you're invincible and everything else. I got in a few, you know, skirmishes. I've been potted a few times. I've been stabbed in the neck when I was 18. Um, yeah, so obviously having a child, then it sort of changes your view. And I've still not grown up, but I, I sort of become <laughs> a bit more wise and a bit more, you know, okay. careful, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So, I, like everyone wants to know, how did you end up in a prison in India for 10 years? I mean, I've done 10 years in a UK prison and I know how tough that is. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine up there in the heat and the conditions. Yeah. So let's break that down. How, what happened? What's your story? Uh, so basically I, I used to go to travel to Goa a lot within India. Um, Goa? Yeah. I know a lot of people go there. Yeah, Goa is a lovely country. Yeah. You know, like I say, it's a small part of India. India is mm. a huge, huge place. Mm. And um, I, we decided to buy uh, an apartment off plan, myself and my mum, back in 2005. Okay. Uh, it was built over the next four years, if you like. Just so because you was going there regular? Because they're going there regular. Yeah. Could maybe. Uh, we both had, you know, we wanted to invest a bit of money anyway. It was, it was peanuts. It was very, very cheap. Mm. Uh, you know, a few thousand. So we decided to invest in it. Uh, like I said, I'd already been going the previous maybe six years as well. I like, like the, you know, the people, the food, everything else, and and how cheap it is basically. So, I've been quite a few times. Then two thousand five six, I've gone over with one of an ex friend, if you like. Um, I had a few friends by this point on the beach shacks and what have you. And in Goa. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and basically, we we went. They got an Anjuna market, and it sells all sort of antiques and all different basic different products so I bought t-shirts and I bought sort of Garnier creams and a lot of different items from there. Yeah. What's an Anjuna market excuse my ignorance? It's, it's just basically call it flea market if you like but on there you can get sort of artifacts you know uh, so one year basically about 2003 or four I brought home a statue of a Buddha okay and an elephant and other things so this brings me to the story actually and um, so I've gone to the airport and they charge about 130, 40 pound extra, you know, for the extra for the weight. For the extra luggage, yeah. Extra weight. So while I was there, my, myself and my girlfriend and this guy and his girlfriend, we was there sort of over the Christmas period. Um, and we'd gone shopping. I was getting everything in my luggage. They had a couple of extra days. And he said, uh, why don't you go post office and post? I said, I don't know where the post office is. Yeah. All them times I've been, I only see the beach and, the, you know. So he went, oh, leave them with me. I'll sort it out. Long story short, give him some details and paperwork. Come home a few weeks after he's sort of at my door saying, well, you know, what's happened with uh, your boxes and that? Where's your, your The parcel. Books? I said, well, they've not arrived. You know, they've not arrived, so. Not thinking nothing of well, it. Well, yeah, so of this red flag started. Um, and then eventually I found out he put sleeping tablets in my boxes. Now, to this point, I didn't know the quantity. I've gone back to the country in the March. Now, funnily enough, in the March when I returned, I stayed in the same hotel and you have to declare which hotel you're staying in when you, apparently when you... Arrive um, at Goa? When, when you, dis uh, sorry, when you're exporting anything. Okay. You have to do like, uh, you have to fill all your farms out and everything else. Um, so, I forget the point was that, that then. Yeah, so like I said, we come home, he's chasing up. I thought he's put these things in. I've arrived back at the hotel the receptionist has given me um, a letter and it was from the customs branch within Mumbai. Now, Mumbai from Goa is like a 12-hour 
car journey or you know a two and a half three hour flight and basically the customs letter said we've seized the we, you know we've contained your parcels and we're not releasing them because they've, they contain diazepam they've misclared goods if you want to collect them come to mumbai uh, proof of purchase medicinal license which is your main thing i've found out a couple of other details so i thought well the goods wasn't there's only 80 pounds worth of summer anyway I ripped the letter off. I thought nothing else of it. Yeah. I left the country. I come back in the country three or four times. No problem. Now, 2009, November 21st, 2009, I arrived and uh, at immigration, he's looked at the screen, he's looked at me, screen again, and it, basically it's a lookout circular, excuse me, within all Indian prisons right. for me, like I'm a big terrorist. Um, long story short, we went to Mumbai, um, they flew me over there, they, they revealed that there was one parcel. Now, when he told me that the first parcel contained 20-something thousand diazepam tablets, you know, there's 2,000-something strips of 10. Yeah, yeah. Basically, 20-plus thousand. I mean, I'd fell off, obviously. I didn't know this quantity was going to be in there. Now, I also know there was other paperwork, so there could have been more boxes, but to this point, I didn't know. Mm. Um, later on in the night, as they're doing their interrogation, they found a second one, um, and then they produced me in court the next day, and then so on and so forth. Flipping hell. So, right, okay. So, was this in Mumbai now, or was this in Goa? This is in, in Mumbai now, yeah. Okay. Um, so, basically what they've done on the Sunday, they took me to the court, like a Sunday court. Mm. Uh, it was terrifying, you know, just looking at the court surroundings and the people sat about. I didn't understand a word, obviously, by this yeah, point. Yeah. Um, I was sort of like a prize catch, getting took round the market in handcuffs. Everyone's staring at me. I got my pictures done. They dropped me off at the jail on the Sunday night, um, and it's called Arthur Road Jail. With it's in Mumbai Central. Um, and then basically I was in there for oh, the next three years, eight months, just facing the trial, you know, under trial while all the witnesses remand come. Remand Like a remand, yeah. They say under trial. So it actually very slow process within India. So it took three years, eight months just for me to get my sentence. Wow. Okay. So, you know, when you got locked up and they, yes. at the start, when they interrogating you, questioning you, uh, like an interview mm -hmm. process at Mumbai, uh, uh, Mumbai uh, police station. Yes. Did they, did you have any rights? Pay attention. I've got some exciting news for you guys. I've launched a seven day free, total free audio course for you guys, which is gonna help you improve and elevate your mindset. And it's also gonna help you in your business. All you have to do is go and sign up every single day, day one to day seven, you will receive a free two minute audio from me in my own words, in my voice. And what that will do is help you in your business and your mindset. Make sure you go and sign up and let me know how you find it. Did they say, well, you oh, can no. have a solicitor or anything? No, no, no. No, you're, guilty. you're, in, you're sort of guilty before you're proven innocent there. Um, no, and the interrogation process, I was lucky I didn't get beaten up because some of the horror stories I've heard of like electrocuting the testicles and the stretching them on machines and just to give uh, a confession, basically, whether you're guilty or not, you know, that's all they want is a confession. I was signing blank pieces of paper. I didn't know what was going on. Wow. They was writing in Hindi there, you know, and they're looking through the paperwork and everything else. And But even to that point, 
I'm thinking sleeping tablets. It's not heroin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not cocaine. I didn't expect to get a 20-year sentence, which initially, you know, what I initially got. So see sleeping tablets in India or Mumbai or Goa in them areas. What is that, a class A, class B? Is that is that the worst kind well, of... Well, it's... <clears throat> no, not at all. It's, it's a Schedule H drug, which is obviously a pharmaceutical drug. Yeah, yeah. But like your Viagra and everything else, you can go in a pharmacy and you can purchase them over the mm. counter, you know, sort of. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a major, major, you know, thing. And like I said, uh, what it is in India, um, they have NDPS, which stands for Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances. Right. So it's basically club does one. So even your codeine and all these sort of uh, pharmaceutical drugs mm. will come under, you know, a drug itself. And how they work in India, they do um, a sort of, um, they do a commercial quantity, they call it. So, for example, a commercial quantity of these tablets is 500 grams. Right. Unfortunately, I had, uh, what was found was 75,100 tablets. So, 751 strips of 10 were found. Commercial quantities is 500 gram. Now, what that means is, if you're caught with 450 gram, you know, or less than 500, you will receive a maximum of 10 years. Anything above that is a minimum of 10. Wow. So like, um, you know, ganja charas, you know, like... Um, weed. Your weed, yeah. Ganja's like 20 kg. It's crazy. The, like, hashish, the solid, is like 1 kg. You know, so I, I don't understand sort of the philosophy of how want that drug can sort of be the same as this yeah, drug, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know when you was in the police station in Mumbai, was you understanding the way they was communicating with you in English or were you just not getting what they were talking about? Well, there was, a guy, there was about six um, officers there and one of them spoke sort of, I'd say 60, 70% English, English yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, where he understood him. He was the only one I was sort of, you know, conversing with. His superiors were there. Now, obviously, I'm telling him this story and he was all fine with it and everything else. And then this second box has been revealed, what he didn't obviously know at the time. Mm. He's got a pile of paperwork like this, you see. Mm. The case is from 2009. Uh, sorry, the case is from 2006, but in 2009, you know, it's three years after. Yeah. So, obviously, they're sort of proving through all this paperwork. And then it was sort of early hours in the morning. He's gone, you're a liar. You lie on our list, and so I thought I was going to get a beating, but I didn't. I sort of they stopped interrogating me at about five thirty in the morning or something. Mm. Yeah, it's like they make the decision before they've even kind of. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. So okay. So from there, you got took to the courts, I suppose. Yeah. Still no solicitor here. Yeah? No, I actually they they did allow me a phone call uh, later on. Now I spoke with my family. Uh, my family have obviously done their homework into it, found me a solicitor in Mumbai called Tariq Syed. Right. So the actual funny story about it is, if there's any funny stories, <laughs> um, the guy arranged to meet me the following day, he said, you'll be in the court. The solicitor, yeah? Don't worry, I'll meet you. I'll meet you at the court. Don't yeah. worry about anything. Arrived at the court, a guy runs down in this suit and he's going, oh, and I've gone, you, you Tariq Syed? He's gone, yeah, yeah, Tariq Syed. He's shaking me and I've gone, okay, okay. And he's like running upstairs, going, you got money, you got money. So I'd, I'd actually had a bit of uh, rupees at the time, maybe like £80 in rupees, yeah. you know, like 8000 
So I've gone, I've got it. He's gone, yeah, yeah, that's okay. And he's, he's took me up the court steps. We've gone in the court and then we sort of sat on the bench. Everyone sat cross-legged on the floor and it was just a quite bizarre, you know. Setting. Everything was just sort of, you know, I was, I was way with the fairies at the time. And <laughs> yeah, so he, um, he, he sat there in the front row and he kept turning. He's going, shh, don't worry, don't shh. I'm like, I'm not saying anything, mate, you know. <laughs> Next minute, this six foot plus guy comes down, very well, you know, well dressed and that. He turns around and goes, Barry Hulse. I've gone, yeah, yeah. And he went, Tariq Sayed. I went, no, he's Tariq Sayed. <laughs> and he went, no, I'm Tariq Sayed. No, he's Tariq Sayed. <laughs> you know, like this. So that was a cheating solicitor, basically. That's what they do wow. in India. And I was. So that was just enough. a quick. That, that's a quick hustle for them. And that's a quick hustle. He got Mayor 1500 back, which is which I could have took into the jail, which he can use, which was about £15. Yeah, but another story is this this rogue solicitor has jumped in the back of the jeep with about seven of us, all squashed up, gone for food. I'm sat there and he's cheating all his mates for food and my money, you know. It was unbelievable. Madness, madness. Okay, so you end up in court. Obviously, what's the system like up there? Do you have to stand up and give your name and what you just get? Is it remanded to jail? Well, for the first six months, um, well, it's 90 days they ask for then they can extend it to 180 which they always do yeah and that's their investigation work yeah then they produce their uh, charge sheet if you like yeah after the six month then you start going to the court okay every two weeks now that all depends whether there's enough availability of guards whether they and then you might get to the court and there'll be no judge or there'll be no prosecution or your lawyer won't be there there's always something some type of problem mm. um yeah, so basically that is your lot. Depending on your judge, you will go every two weeks. Okay. For And then you start getting the witnesses coming. Now, they had 15 witnesses in my case. 15? 15. For what? I don't know. person at the hotel, the person in the post office, and like I said, just various hmm. witnesses. They call them punch witnesses that check all the things, and they have to make sure it's all you know cleared the red tape, and they've checked everything off and not put anything in the box. and. Stuff like that, so. Mad. So, you know when you was, for this three and a half year period, when you was waiting for your, basically, yeah. trial to start, because I suppose you went not guilty. Yeah. Are you in the main, main jail, or is it some, like, a police jail? Is this a different jail? No, no, it's a main jail. Right, so you got... Jail. Right, okay. So, let's talk about this main jail. What's the conditions like up there? Like, is it single cells? Are you padded up with people? Is it, like, one well, big... Yeah, like I say, I was, I was in various prisons within India, but the, this one sort of, um, it's a barrack system, which most of them are. You've got a ground and first floor. Uh, the British actually built them for the Indian prisoners back, back when we were ruling India. Um, it's like I say, stone structure, rectangular, maybe, um, say, 80 foot long by 20 foot wide or something. It's 20 foot wide, actually, because you've got three six foot mats lay across that way. Mm. So there's your 18 foot, and basically it's just full. It's made for 80 people. There's two to 220 all the time. So what, in like there. a one big hall, like an just assembly hall. hall? Yeah, if you like. And everyone's just got like mat I just lay there, so that's my place, that's yours, that's ease. And you're like sardines with your mat, and six by two foot mat, you've got your plastic bag with your belongings behind you on a peg or something on the wall and a nail. And there's obviously your fans, and you've got string lines for your washing. Flipping a couple out. of t-shirts and there. Yeah. How many toilets? Uh, do you have six toilets free at work for two hundred and twenty <laughs> men, honestly. 
I can't, I mean, I can sit in, I can how does describe it? how it is, but I can't describe the smells and wow. things like that. I can only imagine if there's over 200 people mm -hmm. and there's six toilets, but only three that work. Flipping out, why, what, how does the toilet system work? Well, there's it? another problem there's as well, because when it's summer in India, they're all praying for the rains, you know, for the monsoons, because there's such a water, you know, drought on and shortage of water can be a real big headache. You know, they'd have to bring water tankers in sometimes and you'd have to sort of save your water in buckets, you know, over over a two-day period because you will not get enough again. And obviously water's a massive commodity. Yeah. And you realise that when you're well, there. we don't you know, value that up here, do we? Well, no, not at all. But obviously there you need it to bathe, you need it to, you know, wash yourself for the toilet after the toilet. You need to wash your dishes with it. You need, you know, so you've got to make that bucket do you sort of thing. So in that prison, is it who runs the prisons in India? Is it the the, the officers or is it the the prisoners? Um, it's very strict, yeah. But money talks, um, and I mean, there's some millionaire millionaire guys, and there was you know there's some big gangster guys who I actually stayed with uh, for a, a long period, and things can happen with with the money basically. There was one time actually, I was in one cell, it's a bit further down, a couple of years on, I was padded up with some, um, they were terrorist guys, like Muslim terrorist guys, mm. and uh, good friends of mine, they, they all got the death sentence in the end, got hung actually. But anyway, this guard's come round this morning, they've started having a to-do, the guards open the gate before the uh, whistle, and I've got to be careful here, speaking Hindi when I talk about it sometimes. So the guards open the gate, You've had a bit of a hustle and, you know, a bit of, not major, just dragging each other about. Now, this, this guy, terrorist and the officer. Yeah, yeah. now yeah. this terrorist is also got, you call him number carries, he's co-accused. His number carry is like a very, very big player. What's a number carry? It's like a co-accused. Right. So they call him a number carry, so he's co-accused. Co-accused, yeah. yeah. He's like a big, you know, he's got a lot, a lot of money. He's got a lot of respect in India. Um, He's a big, big guy. So they've called us into the, it's called a Mundukari, it's like a little hut, if you like. And all the officers that was on duty that morning in my area, and myself, the two guys that was in my cell with me. And so we've all gone for this meeting, we all have to do, you know, write down about this meeting. And this guy called Mustafa Dosa comes in, and the superintendent of the jail is like, oh, bye, oh, bye, you know, and all this. And, so, you know, they're giving him more respect than he because he knows he's getting a, he's getting maybe 500 quid a month off him. Mm. And in India, that's big money, you know, for them. Yeah. So from the three star, two star ones, you know, all the officers will get so much, then all the sort of subordinates will get so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works, you see. And if you give them money, you're, you're the king, you know, the best thing since sliced bread for them. So it's all about money, isn't it? A lot of it is, yeah. Do you think that if um, if you had, if, did you have money at this stage or were you kind of, where um, were you in financially in your life? Well, luckily I'd saved a bit for a rainy day. Yeah. But I still had a mortgage and everything else. Uh, but it was one of them. It'd be, you know, it was always, I thought I'd be getting out at a certain point. You know, we've gone for bail. We've gone, there's a lot of different processes um, only to get, you know, kicked in the goal and had that many times. Like I said, I had four tonsils, you know, it's it just, so many letdowns one after the other, but 
obviously just you got to pick yourself back up and then hope, hope the next time is going to be some more positive news. So you were just know? hoping, hoping, just... Well, that's all you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hang on to, really, yeah. Flipping yeah. hell, man. Um, mentally, how tough was it? Like, mentally... Oh, very, very. The, the most mentally challenging thing you'd ever have to go through, I think. Before I'd even gone there, I mean, I've been in a little bit of trouble here and there and... You know, and I'm lucky, I suppose, that I've escaped jail in England. I couldn't, I didn't think I'd be out of court with jail in England, but over there is just another level, you know. Yeah. Obviously, because you don't know what they're talking about and it, it, everything's just so alien to you. You know, eating rice three times a day, you're not used to that for a start. And, you know, you, the way you bathe and just everything, basically. So, so talking about rice three times a day, so what, what do they feed you in Indian Mumbai prisons? Well, it's rice and dal. Basically, <laughs> yeah, rice and lentils. Dal. Yeah, but you never really get them. You get dirty water. There's not much dal in the bottom of it, you know. So yeah. you get your metal pot and they give you a couple of. It's mainly dirty water, I'd say. For a penal. So do you um, lentils and do you, do you, are you allowed to order your own canteen from private? They have a canteen. Yeah, they had a canteen within the prison, um, and you. It, Initially, it was like £15 when I went in 2009. By 2019, you could get like £30 or something, maybe rate of inflation. But you get that per month, so you can buy your soaps, your toothpaste. They'd have a couple of little items, you know, like a, a powder you can mix in with your food to change the taste. And So you could sort of change the taste a little bit of the food as well, you know, when you buy these items. So mm. Okay, so... Um when you when you buy, because I suppose not everyone's got in that position where they've got private money coming in, right? So did you have money coming in from your friends yeah. or family? Well, if you look at the front of the book, you'll see here it says ten percent of our profits are donated to prisoners abroad. Now prisoners, okay. are, yeah. Now prisoners abroad were and still are a sort of lifesaver for any British prisoner abroad. Yeah. For me. Um, it's all from donations from people and everything else, but they were sending me my money for the canteen every month. Who was the prisoners abroad? Okay. So maybe if you average say four hundred pound a year, you know, over a over that period, they probably give me like three to four thousand pounds to spend in that period while I was incarcerated. So that's the least I can do for them. Well, that's nice. Give you. them something back. Yeah, you know, but it's the least I can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice for them. You know, mm. they, they sort of financially, they, you know, they really you help you. Time. Yeah, of course, yeah. So it is probably most people in that prison where they don't get money sent in from outside, right? Yes. So when if you're the prisoner that's getting stuff in, is it is there a chance that your stuff gets robbed? Hey YouTube, I'm really sorry to cut you off, but I have to share this with you. I want you to get to your next level, and I believe that personal development is the gateway to success. So what I've done is I've gone and created a seven-day free audio course. This is totally free. All you have to do is sign up, and from day one till day seven, every single day, you will receive a two-minute audio from me, which will elevate your mindset and give you power in your business. Make sure you go and sign up and let me know how you find it. No, it's not really like, I mean, it can do, um, but the, what do you have? There's nothing, you've got nothing anyway. You've got yeah. a couple of vests, a couple of shorts. Mm. There's not really anything to, I mean, the, I did have a pair of underpants, but they got robbed, did you they? know, in the first few <laughs> days. Yeah, but um, like I say, once you're established and they know not to mess with you, they're not, 
it wasn't a violent jail. I mean, there was a lot of different things went on, but... Okay, so it wasn't know, a violent jail? You get fights over water. You get fights if you, you put your mat, you know, five millimetres across on my white line on me wall, I'd be, what, you know, and just crazy, just little things. You had one TV channel, so you can't argue what channel you're going to put on the telly. Who decides what channel we're watching? There's one channel. Wow. That's all you can oh, watch. So you just there's no, de no decisions, that's what I'm saying. So there's nothing to argue about, really. You, you, you understand? It's not like I'm watching BBC One, no, put <laughs> ITV on. You got the one channel, so like I said, there was no, uh, it wasn't major. Mm. I mean, there'd always, obviously be scraps. Every morning there'd be scraps. You'd get the poor people, there'd be two troughs in that first jail. The richer ones, they'd have a bucket, and you'd get, uh, you, like you said about the poor people, and you call the handy, so they might be uh, me, yourself, another couple of lads, and then you'd have another two or three people, and they'd work for you, and you'd get them toothpaste and soap every month, and they'd get a bit of better food because you're buying a bit more, you know, a few mm. ingredients to mix with it and things. So, so that's how it sort of work. What what were you, what was on the one channel coming on? What sort of is it news? Or? It was a bit of a mixture, yeah. I mean, obviously you've got your Bollywood you've got, music. You've got your Bollywood dance. Well, you've got you, you have your army programs, and then you have an item number all <laughs> dancing in the middle, don't you? But you know, so yeah. Madness. Okay, so then when you went to jail, uh, sorry, when you went to courts, yeah. eventually, when at what point did you get sentenced, and what did you get? Well, uh, like I say, I was arrested on the twenty-first of November two thousand nine. I was convicted on the fifth of July two thousand thirteen. Okay. For 20 years. For 20 years? For 20, because what, what the judge done, even though there's no concession for it, the judge actually gave me t the 10 years and then 10 years, you know, consecutive sentence rather than uh, a concurrent. Yeah. So, India and uh, England have a bilateral agreement and I was hoping to do a transfer back to England, but mm. basic, on the basis of 20 years, I couldn't really do that. Because the remaining sentence, I do 50% within England. So I'd still have about seven years, you know, at the 14 left or something. Decided to go to the High Court to fight it. And I got acquitted, rightly so, by the High Court. In India, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, on the 5th of July again, 2019, exactly six years from the conviction date. It took six years hmm. in the High Court to be heard. So... Very slow judicial process. And then he got, you got acquitted, yeah? And then I got acquitted, yeah. And then what, the day you got, um, how long did you have left? I had four months, basically. Out of the ten years, I served nine years, eight months. Wow. That so, would have been, a, that would, day would have been, would have felt really, really good, right? Well, I mean, there's another thing. The last three months for me was the longest period because um, all the arguments from the prosecution and from my defence team and everything else had been finished. Mm. And this was sort of March time around then. So the judge said, within two weeks, I'll give the judgment and give the decision. Yeah. She gave the decision on the 5th of July, as I just said. So it was three months, every day waiting for that my name on that tannoy, you know. Every single day, that was every day for like a week. She waited three months to give me a yes or no decision, this lady judge. Now, she's a good judge, and that's why we sort of sort of waited for her a bit towards the end. We, we actually extended it a couple of months because get me out four months early or go with this judge and do the full, you know, stay mm. until the November, you know, and be convicted, which I didn't want. 
at the end of the day, I was innocent, so I wanted to be proven innocent and yeah, yeah. acquitted of all charges. So, so whilst you was in prison up there, did anyone from UK come and visit your friends or family? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, my mum, God rest her soul. I mean, I lost my mum late on last year, um, but she'd be there. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe eight times in total. I mean, it's a long, long way as well. Of course, you know? it is. It's a ten plus hour flight and. Couple of times I come over, I didn't get guards for court. We had to have it's called a mullacat, which is like a you have like a jelly screen. They call it like a metal mesh, and you're from there, there, from there, and you know you're all shouting. And there'd be another ten sort of people there. Yeah. So you, you just want to hug them. They've come all that way, and you just want to give them a hug, you know. And that was sort of hard when they come and I didn't get guards, and unfortunately I couldn't sort of do that. So, so the visits up there are basically like, 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 um, like a metal gate where you can see through, but you can't touch the other person. Correct. Yeah. So you've got to stand there. They've got to stand there. About fifteen people here, fifteen people, and you just shout over. Yes. And they're all screaming in Hindi, so you can't understand anything anyway. You know. And you're yeah. Because like, well, everyone's excited, aren't they? And you're only getting ten minutes. And then, but a couple of times, once the sus things out, they get the guards paid on the other side. You give them a couple of quid. I'll give you an extra 10 minutes, you see. But they don't let you hug them? Oh, no, because you'd, uh, th then you'd have to believe in the jail. I mean, well, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we worked... <coughs> yeah. We worked it out where I'd be at a court date. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, if I did go to the court, I'd be able to spend time with the family in the court, maybe have a little bit of food with them if they, you know, pay the guards that are escorting you. Um, Close, like. But if the guards don't come for you to take you out of the building, obviously you can't. Flipping you can't man. get that physical, you know. Yeah, but um, say in the book, um, the first sort of, like, say the first four months, I was in the barrack. I was losing my head a bit. People were coming up to me. And, Touching me tattoos, I'm going, what are you doing? And you know, and these are uneducated guys, yeah, from they've never seen a white person, they've never seen like a beach, never seen the sea, they've never seen, they've only seen their village, you know, they don't Why even. Why are you touching it just because they've never seen it before? Yeah, and they'd sort of, uh, but like, what are you doing? They think it's some. It's yeah. like wiping it off and stuff. They think you're drawn on with pen, you know. I mean, real, real, come back back to the Stone Age people, yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. have, they don't have electricity, they don't have nothing. You know, so um, I was I was I, I wasn't coping very well at the time. Anyway, the superintendent said, "Right, we're going to have to put you in another area. We're going to put you in this area called Anderbarrett." Now, Anderbarrett. Did you not start any fights or anything, or did, did you get into fights like that? Or? I got into a couple of times where I had to warn people, but there was, excuse me, there was a bit wary of me as well because I'm like, you know, I'm like. You know, it's, you got to fight, so yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. what to expect. Yeah, obviously yeah. Obviously, walking. So you're on your guard anyway. You're on your guard twenty four seven. You know, like I said, I was a bit more probably hyped up, a bit more yeah. aggressive, and everything else. Superintendent shifted me. Um, it, it's put me in a place called Andabara, which means in Hindi, a prison within a prison. It's a stone structure. Right. With it within the barrack areas, um, and they've got sort of separate cells in there you've all got separate cells now the reason i got moved there it was um occupied the previous 18 months by a guy called ajmal kasab 
Now, he was a Pakistani guy that's come over with a few of us uh, to do a terrorist attack in Mumbai in 2008. There's loads of films and books mm. about it out there. He was a lone survivor. He was in that, that barrack in my prison. Now, they actually built a bomb-proof barrack for this guy because 1.5 billion people wanted to kill him, you know, these Indians. So they built him a bomb-proof in our jail. It was like a metal sort of circular structure again. That was built, he got moved there, I got moved into there, uh, and then over the sort of the following three years, yeah, that's where I met. I'm not going to go too much because I'll ruin the book, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The first guy I was in with in the fit, I had to a plane to Kandahar, so I met Bollywood people, I met like major gangsters, one of them turned out to be a very, very close friend of mine in the end. And there's a lot of different, like I said, what well, won't go too much because then. People might there you go. You got. We got to read the book. Yeah. How much is this book? Uh, it's all. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Um, I've done it as cheap as possible, basically. It's um, about four pound eighty three on uh, the Kindle version. That's the cheap. Paper, that the Kindle, yeah. The paper book. The paperback is about eleven pound. Eleven pound something. And ten percent goes to them anyway. From my from my profits, obviously I don't make that much yeah, money. Yeah, but yeah. whatever I do make, I will the ten percent will be getting sort yeah. of donated to them. And the hardback's about eighteen pounds as well. So okay. that's the free format, yeah. Right, right, fair enough. So you met some good contacts. Are you still in touch with them till today or uh, a few of them, yeah. A few yeah, a few lads. There was one guy, um very, very good to me in the family. He's called Ray. Um not his, obviously not his original name. He's from the Philippines. Um, I was friendly with him, and around early 2011, he got acquitted. He had like a kilo of heroin. But again, they were like, the people that are poor, they'll give him a few quid, then they'll go to the post office and do the work. You know, mm. they've not got the money for a kilo of heroin. So, but he got caught with it. He got acquitted after right. three, three and a half years. It, it was quite a fast trial. Uh, he was on the outside, but the prosecution wouldn't give the passport back. They, they weren't happy with the acquittal, so they wanted to go to the High Court to challenge. So he had to remain in India, but while he remained in India, you can't work or anything else. I don't know how they expect you to live yeah. when you do this, you know. Um, so I was sort of sending him £100 a month for my family. Uh, then I also introduced him to one of the gangsters that I met there, Santos Shetta. Um, and it was it was a good time at that time. We was getting eggs in for breakfast. We was getting there was a period where you know we was we we had it sort of like I said it was all at the beginning though before you get convicted. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And then so when did you get back here then? When did they release um, it? Like I say, it was the July fifth of July. You know, without sort of revealing the plot again. I had to remain in India for another week. Um, Inside the prison? No, I was actually released. It did After I got acquitted, it was like a Wednesday. Right. The superintendent's called me to the office. He said, you're free, but you have to remain here until the Mumbai Customs come and put you in a detention centre and then they deport you because, luckily for me, the judge had done me a favour by giving the sentence that he must be deported within 10 days. Because what you find in India is the prosecution aren't happy. So they'll go to the Supreme Court if they have to, to the highest court in the land, you know. Just so to get you back in type Just thing. to keep you there or, yeah, just to fuck your life, you know. Um, so basically, we um, we got out 
and we had a problem for a week. When you what? mean we, you mean just you? Is it Sorry, right? I, I got out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I say we as a family. Yeah, yeah, because got it. it yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, my family are based, based from England, trying to arrange different things. I had a big headache. But uh, I'd say it's too long drawn, but it's all in the book. But they yeah. did try to keep me there again. So Wow. Yeah. Okay, so then they deport, bought you back, deported yeah, you back. Yeah, I had to pay for my own flight, so they didn't really deport me. Yeah, well, you had to... Fair. I had to pay for my own flight. Like I say, I managed to get out of the country like a week after, eight days after. Uh, I was coming to Manchester. Yeah. I booked a flight via Emirates, but... Um, sorry, with Emirates, via Dubai. Now, Emirates informed us last minute that if you go to Dubai, they'll send you straight back to India. <laughs> You know, so I had to get a direct flight. So I basically, we booked for Heathrow, and yeah. I went direct to Heathrow. Okay. So, so when you landed at Heathrow, I kissed the floor. Did you? No, I did, mate. Is that the first thing you did? Well, I did. Yeah, it might be Cockney floor, but it's still a bit, you know, yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. English. What was, What was your feeling at that at that moment? Were you just a bit emotional? Or? I wasn't. You know, um, I was still an autopilot because even until that plane took off. I mean, I was escorted to the airport and mm. basically sent out of the country. But until it lifted off that tarmac, I was still a bit, I wasn't settled, you know. Because yeah. um, you'd never know, innit? That... Well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was expecting a fleet of cars to screech on the, you know, the tarmac, get him off and <laughs> yeah, yeah. back in there. So, so I was on autopilot all the way. My son and a good friend of mine come and pick me up and At stuff. Heathrow? And, yeah. First time they've seen you after, like... Uh, well, my son had been over a couple of times, to be honest. Um, say I did try to escape at one point. I've got again, it's all in the book, but yeah. I brought my son over yeah. to try and arrange this as well. So he come you? over the yeah. That poor lad spent a month in one of them hospitals, mate. I'd say as bad as the jails. I tell <laughs> oh you honestly. God. So yeah, so right. So you so you seen your friend, and obviously they brought you back to Salford, then yeah. right? Your mum was. Oh, there's all at the house, my mum's house, had all the family, then. I had three grandkids I had to meet, you know. Wow. So they'd all been born when I was there, you know, I've got, so, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the kids that was out of this big were now taller than me, and I'm like, who are you, you know, yeah, looking yeah. up to them and that, they're going, all right, uncle, all right, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I suppose it was a bit, uh, looking back, I thought it was fine, but I'd say it took me six months to sort of um, mm. be acclimatised to sort of, you know, our country. Yeah. I was still doing the Indian head wobble for a while, and you know, <laughs> it's just because you're there that long, you know. Yeah. I was still speaking a lot of Hindi. Do you know Hindi? Do you understand? Like, can you understand it? But I, I understand it. I can speak maybe thirty percent. Right. And understand it. Um, obviously, it's very like Urdu as well. Mm. You'll know, and so you you know a bit of a bit of everything. So it's good. It's good. Yeah, that, yeah. That's one good thing I brought from it. You know. Learn another language a little bit. That's it. Yeah. Still yeah. get no cheap affairs off the taxi drivers at <laughs> all. But you know, it's good. To, they buzz off it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Bald yeah. white man knows our lingo and that. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So what year did you get back then? Was it nineteen? Two thousand nineteen. Yeah. That was COVID, innit? Oh no, COVID. The year after COVID, it mate. Yeah. Yeah. So the year after it was COVID. Okay. Yeah. So you were still climatising and just getting back. So really, it's not been that long. It's been, what, four years? Getting on for four years, yeah, in July, yeah. Do you think that sentence has, like, has an impact now, the way you go on, and has it changed you a little bit? Well, of course, it's changed me where, you know, I appreciate everything more in life. Mm. Um, I can sit on a toilet, you know. 
rather than squat over it. So yeah. an extra 10 minutes. I can turn the light off and, you know, like I said, the first thing I don't know, the, sort of when I got home that first night, my mum would run me this bubble bath, you know, and I felt like the luckiest man in the world. You know, these things that we sort of have every day, yeah. you'll never miss them until you really miss them. Like the food situation, I always say, I used to get frustrated, you know, when these I'm a celebrity go in and after two days, they're going, oh, I need a burger, I'm missing this, I'm missing Wait a few years and then yeah. you'll really enjoy it, you know, after that, so. Mm -hmm. So since you've got back, what, what are you doing now then? What, what are you up to now? I know you've obviously, you've, you've wrote a book, it's out. Yeah. Um, what else are you doing? What, what are you up to? Um, basically, now, I try and spend as much time with my family yeah um with with the grandkids and everything else um it's not about money for me now life life for me before was like work and work and work you know every hour god sends now i'm happy doing five six hours work a day get in the gym one two o'clock yeah you know do my gym work go in the sauna come out at five six p.m and you got your, your night you know live life not sort of so you're enjoying life a well bit. that's it yeah are you gonna yeah. plan on going back to Goa? You know what? It <laughs> crossed my mind back in the day, but because you can really can go, can't you? I can go, but two years ago again, it's again it'll be in the book. Um, Openshaw International Police Division contacted me, right? By letter, um, India have requ require an order of service from you. So well, I asked Alexa actually. Alexa, what's that? Basically, what they wanted me to do is bring me back to the country. So they could challenge the High Court's decision in the Supreme Court. Yeah, you don't want to for risk what? it. For four months? To yeah. finish four months for my sentence? Had I not already done enough? Nah, that's You know, not... even if I was a guilty man, right, have I not already done my time? They wanted me for another four months. But you know, the, the thing is, if I went back to that country, it'd take 10 to 12 years to come up in the Supreme Court anyway. Yeah, so you're back there. My friend's still there, waiting for his Supreme Court. He can't go back to the Philippines. He's stuck in the country. Yeah, yeah. What they do. So. Yeah, so don't be going back there. Then. Oh, no. I've I started going um, west now, mate. I'm not going east. Even Thailand, everything's off the... Because uh... they're all probably connected, aren't they? Well, the thing is, yeah, they're, they've all, you know... They might have some treaty bilateral, going on. Yeah, that's it. If they've got the treaty in that, and then my name comes up, you just never know. So, yeah. like I say, I'm staying over this side or Europe for my holidays. Yeah, yeah. Now. So, where have you, um, where do you go for your holidays now? Or have you, where have you been recently? Well, just mainly over like Spain and everything Tenerife else. And you were in Tenerife yeah. a few weeks ago, actually, with my lad. Uh, we've got a beef for next week for my 50th. Yeah. The last one, I think this will be. The last mad one. Uh, Barbados was in the other year. So, like I say, just. I won't go back that side, it's just not yeah, worth yeah, it. Yeah. Mm. South America's good, you know, like yeah. Cuba, Brazil, that's Mexico. It. It's really nice up there. Yeah, as well. I went to Barbados and that, so we'll be going over that side now, I think. Stay yeah, right yeah. away from there, yeah. So what's your plans in terms of work and that sort of thing? Like, I know you said you want to take it easy and that, but are you planning on doing anything like helping youngsters or getting into something where... Um, or you not thought about it yet? I've not really thought about it, like I say, my plan was to finish the book. Unfortunately, I wanted to get it out there before my mum passed. Um, yeah. It didn't happen. I know she's guiding me now. God mm. bless her. Um, I'm just sort of taking it step by step. Step mate. by step. Yeah, yeah. But I've had some amazing feedback. Absolutely amazing. I'm so, so pleased. With this? With this, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's you in it, like you said. You got a ghostwriter. Yeah. You scrapped that, and then you yeah. you done well, it. It's all myself, yeah. In your yeah. own words, and that's that's what the book's all about. So, yeah. you know, you just one final question. So, you know, you're when you got locked up, you had a girlfriend, didn't you? I did. So, what happened there? Did she? She actually waited around for three years, eight months until I got convicted, and then obviously, yeah, she just can't, moved yeah. on. And I wouldn't want, I wouldn't have wanted her to. to yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, she met a new guy now. She's married and everything else. We've not even. So I was in contact at the beginning, and mm. it's one of them, isn't it? You know, she's just, happy. I'm happy. Just yeah, yeah. Move on, yeah. So have you? Are you single at the moment, or have you got? I'm a missus? single again at the moment. Yeah. There you go. He's single. <laughs> yes, ladies. <laughs> I'm single. So yeah, no worries. Okay, well that's good that you're single. Everyone knows, so they can yeah. reach out to you. Yeah. Hope, hopefully, yeah, hopefully get you can take them out on some dates. Or oh, something. I certainly will, mate. Yeah, <laughs> my right catch, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well listen, uh, Baza, your story is incredible. Yeah, hopefully, everyone can go out and buy this and support you. And is there any final words you want to share with everyone, or anything you want to say before we wrap um, this up? I suppose a bit of advice I'd give is. Just be careful in other countries. Be careful who you, you know, that yeah. you actually trust. Um, and so be on, don't be naive. Yeah, yeah. A bit naive, you know. Someone like me that thought I was switched on was a bit naive and uh, got to thinking India's a banana republic, but it's not. It's a huge, huge world global player, you know. Yeah, it's a yeah, massive yeah. country and they've got intelligence and they've got everything else and just be careful. That's all I'd say. Well said. You know, one final thing, I just remembered one thing. Obviously, the guys that um, put the parcel on your name in the first yeah. place, like, are you? have you sat down with them, sorted anything out? Oh, no, out? no, he's disappeared. He disappeared. Yeah? Yeah, then he come back on the scene and I put word about he's, he's got no right to stay around here anymore. Right. You know, he can't give me any compensation for what's happened. No. You know, he can't bring the people that are lost back. He can't bring the time that I've lost back. Mm. If you give me a billion pound, it won't suffice, you know. So yeah. I'd rather not see him. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? I'd rather keep him out of the, out of my yeah, out of your sight. Way, yeah. Well, at least they're out of the sight. So, bro, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Okay, cheers, cheers, Eva. Thanks again. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode insightful. And if you did, make sure you subscribe so you won't miss the next one. Don't forget, we are also on YouTube. You can watch these interviews in full there too and join the discussions in the comments. Just search Ibi Aslam Uncensored. There's new episodes every week. So I'll see you there.